Welcome again to Munger Place Church. We're so glad you're here. If you're just joining us, my name is Andrew Forrest. I'm the pastor for this congregation, and it's a pleasure to see you tonight. Our scripture reading this evening is from Luke chapter 2, very famous verses, verse 1 through 7. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, and so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. My God, add his richest blessings to the reading and hearing of this word. Let's pray. Lord, this evening we pray that you take my words and speak through them, that you take our thoughts and think through them, and that you take our hearts and light them up with love for you, your word, and your world. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Imagine that one day the Lord Almighty stepped out on the edge of creation and said, I'm going to prove once and for all to these human creatures of mine that I really do exist. I'm going to make faith, which always includes some element of the unprovable and and unproven, I'm going to make faith unnecessary. And imagine the Lord standing out on the edge of creation, reaching up, into the miles of the Milky Way and rearranging the stars to spell out in letters light years tall the message, I really exist. And imagine if you and I left church tonight and walked out and looked up into the heavens and we saw a message like that, I really exist. What would happen? What would happen? Today is Christmas Eve and We're here singing the songs that we love with the people we love, hearing the story that we love. And it's a beautiful season and it's important. But why does it matter? What what makes Christmas important? What makes people all around the world tonight and all around the world for the last several thousand years celebrate Christmas as if it's something really important? Why does Christmas matter? Now, you could put forward what I might want to call the Kardashian explanation to why Christmas matters. Daniel Borstein, a sociologist in the 20th century, said, an American celebrity is somebody who is famous for being well-known. So why are the Kardashians famous? Well, because they're well-known. Why are they well-known? Because they're famous. It's a circular argument. Why does Christmas matter? The Kardashian explanation would say, well, because it's important. Why is it important? Because it matters, and so it goes. Like everything else regarding the Kardashians, the Kardashian explanation for Christmas doesn't really work. So why does Christmas matter? You could put forward the religious explanation that Christmas has something to do with God. Obviously, there's some extent in which that's true. I I don't deny that. But I'm not really sure that that's enough. In fact, this may sound scandalous, I'm not sure it really matters a whole lot if God exists or not. 
I'm not sure it matters a whole lot if God exists or not. I think there has to be something more to it. There has to be another reason why Christmas matters. That's not enough. It's Christmas Eve, and I will be the first to admit to you that I'm not totally done with my Christmas shopping. Which is a little problematic for me because I have some professional obligations this evening. So I have a very tight window in which to finish. <laughs> and Elaine, if you would cover your ears for a second. My wife is here. I'm not totally done with what I need to get for her. But I believe it will happen, thank God, for the internet between now and midnight. <laughs> but I remember when we were first engaged. We got engaged in October and we got married in March. And we were trying to juggle two different families, and we were living uh, several hours apart. And so I remember coming to her house with her folks on Christmas Eve, and we exchanged gifts. And they were probably the best gifts I've ever given her because I was the most thoughtful at that time. It's worn off at times. Shame on me. And she gave me a gift. And then we had a part for Christmas Eve, and then we weren't going to see each other until the evening of the next day. And I remember how hard it was when, you know... I love the time when you first fall in love, but I'm glad it doesn't last forever. You don't eat, you don't sleep, you feel terrible all the time, you miss your baby all the time. I remember that evening at my church with my folks thinking, oh, I wish Elaine was here. And I assume she felt the same way. <laughs> now, that evening, if somebody in her family had come up to her and said, sweetie, you don't need to be upset. I mean, just the idea of a guy like Andrew, just what a stud that guy is, just... <laughs> Just the idea of this sort of human creation should be enough for you. You don't need to be near him. Just the thought should just change how you live. And though I might agree with that statement, I don't think she did at the time. Just the idea of somebody out there doesn't really make that much difference. Which brings us back to the same question. Why does Christmas matter? I don't think it's enough to say that just because it has something to do with the existence of God. So imagine we were to walk out tonight and see these letters, light years tall. I really exist. A divine message. What would happen? Well, I think immediately, I think wars would cease. I think churches would spill over into stadiums. Life would change. But if night after night, and year after year, and century after century, that message stayed up there the same, ultimately the world would shrug its shoulders and go back to its bloody business as usual. See, I don't believe it's enough just to say that God exists. Christmas does not matter because God exists. There's another reason. In fact, the reason that Christmas matters and the reason, and I really believe this, that the message of Christmas is the most important message you will hear this side of the grave because of something called the incarnation. The incarnation is a fancy theological word that just means that God put on flesh. The enfleshment of God in that small baby boy in Bethlehem. Christmas matters because of the incarnation, God among us. And because of the incarnation, because God himself has come in the mystery of the Holy Trinity, and that small baby in Bethlehem, everything changes, including what we know about God. In London, a city of famous sites, one of the most famous sites is Trafalgar Square. Maybe you've been there and seen it. And right in the middle of Trafalgar Square is a majestic column 
with the statue of Lord Horatio Nelson. Now, Nelson is one of these guys that you almost couldn't make up if you were trying. He was a sailor in His Majesty's Navy during the time of the Napoleonic Wars at the end of the 18th century, the beginning of the 19th century, and he was renowned for his conspicuous gallantry and valor. He lost an eye in battle, and ultimately he had an arm amputated in battle. But he was promoted and promoted and promoted. He became very well-known in England at that time. At that time in the Napoleonic Wars, England didn't have a whole lot going for it. Napoleon had completely taken over the continent, and the only place that England had strength was in its navy. And by 1805, Nelson had been promoted to be uh, an admiral, commanding a fleet. And off Cape Trafalgar in southern Spain, on October 1805, there was a great naval battle between His Majesty's Navy, commanded by Lord Nelson, and the French and Spanish fleets allied with Napoleon. And uh, Nelson sent up this message right before the battle. England expects every man to do his duty. And he did his. He led the battle right from the very beginning. He put his ship, the flagship HMS Victory, right in the line of fire. The junior officer said, sir, you should take off your coat, which makes you conspicuous as an admiral, and he refused. And sure enough, not very far into the battle, people dying all among him, he was hit by a sniper's bullet, passed through his shoulder, severed his backbone, and ultimately he died on the deck of his ship. But before he died, he heard the news that he had just won a great naval battle, one of the greatest in world history. And he was famous among his countrymen and still today is one of the great British military heroes. And so to commemorate him in the middle of Trafalgar Square, named after his great battle, there's a 169-foot column. And on the top is a marble statue of Lord Nelson. It is majestic. But there's one problem. When you're standing at the foot of it, you can't really see what Nelson is like. And so the makers of the monument had the wisdom to put in the plinth of the monument on which the statue stands, these bronze relief depictions of Nelson at various moments in his career. He's way up there in the sky, but when you approach the statue on foot, you can see what Nelson is like. This is why the incarnation matters. Now we see what God is like. And this is really important because I don't know about you, but I look around sometimes and I think, well, if God is really good, why would he permit that? In fact, maybe you're here tonight and you haven't been in church for a long time because you saw some things happen or heard about some things happen and you thought there's no way there could be a good God. Any God who just stays up removed in heaven is no God at all. To which the church responds, You're exactly right. Christmas matters because the incarnation shows us what God is like. Not far off up in the sky, removed from human suffering and day-to-day troubles, but right down in the dirt. And make no mistake, in the incarnation, God was not born in Caesar's palace, but in a filthy manger in Bethlehem. What does that tell you about God? What does that tell you about what power is really like? See, sometimes, I don't know about you, I look around at the world, and I'm familiar with the teachings of Jesus on one hand, but then I see the world on the other, and I think, it doesn't seem like to me that the meek are going to inherit the earth. It looks like the mighty. It seems like to me the way to get ahead in this world is to step on your friends and hate your enemies and grasp with greed all that you have. It seems like to me that everything Jesus said was wrong. And yet the incarnation proves that God is right here among us. 
And the way God set up the world to work is the way that Jesus taught about it to work. And because of the incarnation, we know that what we sometimes see is not the way things are ultimately going to be. Christmas matters because of the incarnation. But I'm not even sure that itself is enough. I'm not sure just saying 2,000 years ago in this baby born in Bethlehem, God himself was present among us. I'm not sure that that's enough. <clears throat> I've come to the conclusion that of all the stages and ages of the human male, the dumbest age is in the early 20s. That's my conclusion. I don't mean any offense to you out there tonight who happen to be male and in your early 20s. Although if the shoe fits... I remember in those long ago years when I was in my early 20s before I wised up and forgot to buy presents for my wife until Christmas Eve. I was invited with a friend of mine to a college campus in the summer to help with the church program for high school kids. I had been to college. I'm aware that a college dorm is not like a hotel. But I was like 25 and therefore an idiot. And so I showed up with essentially nothing packed, like a toothbrush and that's it. And it was in the summer, but... Like a lot of college dorms, it might as well have been winter on the inside, the way the air conditioning was. And we were shown into our rooms with those pine bunk beds and the plastic mattresses. And we quickly came to the conclusion that all we had between us for bedding was one hand towel. Now, with one hand towel, you can keep an elbow warm, but you have a trouble keeping both warm, much less the rest of your body. And between the two of you, it's a real dilemma. And so you pull it this way and that, but it's never quite satisfactory. If all the story of Christmas was about God coming among us in the person of Christ, and that was where it ended, it wouldn't be enough. That's not enough for the parents in Newtown, Connecticut tonight. That's not enough for those of us here who know what sorrow and suffering are like for whom 2012 has been a, a rough year. It's not enough just to say that God has been right here among us in the dirt. In the dirt. It's not enough. And yet I still believe Christmas matters. <clears throat> there was a Belgian young man studying to be a Roman Catholic priest named Father Damien. This is in the 1850s. And he believed God was calling him to go all the way around the world to the island of Hawaii, which was then one of the most remote parts on the planet, to bring the good news of the incarnation to the people who had been living there. And so Father Damien left his home in Belgium, sailed all the way around the world at great danger, and came to the Hawaiian Islands. And after serving as a parish priest for a while, his bishop said, there's another place where I think we really need to take the good news of the incarnation. And there's a small island called Molokai. Molokai is volcanic. There's not a whole lot of arable and livable land. But in the 1850s, there had gathered there a leper colony. In fact, the king of Hawaii made it the law that anybody with leprosy had to be sent to the island of Molokai. It was a place of extreme misery and poverty. And not just because of the disease that the people had, but also because as a result of their disease, normal relationships sort of broke down and, and life was just brutish and animal-like for the people living there. And the bishop knew that was the case, and so he didn't want to order 
the priests under him to go as missionaries to the island, and he just asked for volunteers. And after prayer, Father Damien said, I'll go. And the bishop said, I'm only going to let you go for three months. I'm worried about your safety. I want you to only go temporarily and come back. And Father Damien went, and he stayed for 15 years. Among his first acts on the island was to build a church in which he could say the Mass and preach the good news of the Incarnation. And in a letter home, he wrote that it was all he could do to keep from retching and vomiting at the stink from the sores of the lepers gathered around him in his congregation. And yet he stayed, befriended the islanders, treated their stinking sores, taught them, gave them education, and the life on the island began to improve and things began to change. About ten years later, Father Damien was heating up water for his bath one morning. And he, the kettle slipped out of his hand and he spilled the scalding water all over his foot. And he watched bemused as the skin flaked away. And he realized he didn't feel anything, though his foot had just been scalded badly. Father Damien had a peculiar habit. When he began worship services each Sunday, he'd say, Greetings, fellow believers. The next time he stood in the pulpit, after his injury, he stood up and he said, Greetings, fellow lepers. And in a few short years after that, he died from the disease. It's not enough to talk about God being born as a baby in Bethlehem. But of course, the story of the incarnation does not end on Christmas night. In fact, what begins on Christmas night leads step by step inevitably to the crowd crying out in Jerusalem, crucify him, crucify him. And the same one, God among us, the mind behind the universe who's been made incarnate of Jesus Christ, is the same one, the creed tells us, who was crucified, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. It's not enough just to talk about God with us in some sort of sentimental way. What we need desperately is a God with us right in the dirt who catches our sickness, as it were. But the reason the incarnation matters and the reason we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ is because we believe because God came among us incarnate as the person of Jesus of Nazareth and was suffered and was crucified and was buried, he ultimately tripped up and ridiculed death. And three days later, in the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ was raised from the dead. And the reason this is the most important news you will ever hear in your life is because the birth, and death, and resurrection of the Son of God proves that there is no element of human existence of your everyday, ordinary life, the divorces, the bankruptcies, the betrayals, the griefs, the addictions. There is no element of your ordinary life, including your inevitable death, that God has not proven to be able to redeem and ultimately to glorify. Why does Christmas matter? Christmas matters because our God is not some far-off God 
indifferent to our sufferings and our trials and our questions. Christmas matters because we have a God who's been born in the dirt, who dignified every aspect of human existence. And because that happened, what C.S. Lewis called the central event in the history of the earth, because the incarnation happened 2,000 years ago, everything has changed. And we ultimately know the end of the story and how things are going to end up. So if you're here tonight and you're a skeptic, can I just push you a little bit? I know it seems far-fetched. I know it seems improbable. But how do you know it isn't true? Because if it is true, it changes everything. Something to think about. And if you're here tonight and you are struggling with a great weight of suffering, be encouraged. I don't know why suffering comes, but I know a God who knows what suffering is. We have a God who knows what it's like to lose a son. We have a God who knows what it like, it's like to suffer unjustly. And we have a God who knows that the ultimate triumph is his. And if you're here tonight as a Christian and you've heard the good news before, I just want to tell you, go in peace with the same joy that the shepherds had when they heard of the good news of the Savior because of the incarnation, everything has changed. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill to all. That's why Christmas matters. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, may God use this good news in our lives and use us to bring it to the world. Amen.